Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Happy Martin Luther King, everybody. You probably have a day off work. Uh, we do not. We're going to go out here uh, working away, covering the USC Trojans as always. But hope you guys enjoy the holiday. If you do have a day off, you can listen to this while you're taking a jog or running errands or doing whatever uh, in the car. Um, we are going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde today. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde, talking about the USC Trojans, answering more questions. We still had some questions left over from the Rose Bowl. It's a big recruiting weekend, so a lot to get to. If you have questions or comments for us, drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can leave a voicemail two different ways, and we're going to play one of your voicemails today, but you can call 641-715-3900, extension 816-646, or go to our website, peristylepodcast.com, click on the left side of the page, and you can leave a voicemail right from your mobile device or your computer. Uh, we're also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and TuneIn Radio. Um, Audio Boom is where we're hosted. So a lot of different ways to download the show. Hope you can go on to iTunes and leave us some positive feedback, a five-star rating. We appreciate all of that. And without further ado, let's bring in the coach. Coach, what's up? How you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good, buddy. I'm all buckled up. It's a Monday. Uh, you know, like I always tell you, uh, Ryan, game day is every day. So, uh, you know, I'm a day ahead of people that aren't working. So uh, I hope I have a winning day, and I hope I uh, everybody has a safe day, no matter what they're doing, and enjoying what they have to do. But, you know, you and I, we're always talking recruiting. We're always talking about getting better. We're trying to get things caught up. As we move into 2017, a big, big next couple of two weeks. Wow, they are absolutely huge as far as your future is concerned, as far as recruiting. So I'm all excited about that. I am too, Coach, and uh, we're excited to talk about Trojan football, and it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks up until signing day. We'll talk a little recruiting. We're going to answer all of your questions. I uh, wanted to thank our sponsor before we jump into everything, Southern California Tickets. So they've been great to us over the years. We've been doing this since 2008, if you can believe that. Crazy. SCTickets.com is the website, or call them at 1-800-888-7287. Uh, check it out if you need tickets for any kind of sporting event. Uh, you want to watch some Lakers or Clippers. Uh, of course, you want to get tickets for the upcoming NFL Los Angeles Chargers at StubHub Center. Go to SCTickets.com. That should be crazy. So lots of, uh, lots of sports teams here in the South and uh, Southland and across the country. If you need tickets for any of that, you can go to SCTickets.com and they'll hook you up. Um, coach, let's start off with a voicemail question for you on the Rose Bowl. Let me play it for you and uh, get your thoughts. Here you go. Hey, it's Richard from Toluca Lake. Uh, this is about the Rose Bowl game, and the question is for Coach. Coach, I understand, you know, with uh, Penn State having the ball, 46 seconds left to go, two timeouts. I understand why they threw to the one side with Jack Jones over there since he was in for Dory Jackson. I do not understand why they went back, <coughs> excuse me, with the exact same play and had to burn a timeout thinking that he went out of bounds. I would love your perspective on it. I was at the game. My heart stopped. Probably the best game I've ever seen in 60 years of following USC football. Appreciate it very much, and fight on. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it was an exciting game. I hope your heart 
didn't stop, but it started back up. You're with us. Uh, I think all of us, I, I mentioned last week, I almost fell out of the press box with that game, and I've been to a lot of uh, Rose Bowl games, and it was well, probably the most exciting one I've ever been to, even the Texas-USC game that we don't want to talk about. But, yeah, why did they throw that play? I, I don't understand what Penn State was doing there towards the end of the game. You know, USC lost contain. And he actually forced that pass the first time when McCray almost intercepted it. They were having success with that type of action and uh, a pass. They scored, I believe, two touchdowns on that, but they were throwing to the wide side of the field. And he actually went to the short side of the field where there's no field for him to get the pass into the receiver. And it was easier for the defensive secondary from USC to cover. The safety was getting over there, but the safety didn't have the whole field to go to. So uh, he almost intercepted the first one. They came back with the identical same play. And the reason he called timeout to have it reviewed, he was praying and hoping that somehow, you know, he might have stepped out of bounds. Why, why save it? There's nothing to save it for. Utilize it, use it, give us a chance to regroup, give us a chance to talk a little bit about defense and our philosophy on how we can stop SC or slow him down here in the last minutes of the game. So, uh, yeah, I, I really think that was poor play calling. I think that uh, if I'd have been Penn State, I would have played it sort of cautious, not saying I'm going to play to lose, but I'd have been very careful on what I did. Their running back was having big success. Barkley, I would have probably maintained uh, his ball control with him because he could break and play at any time. And if USC was playing pass, he might have got some big yards and put you in a position, you know, to get some points. But uh, obviously it didn't work. It backfired on them. SC had the momentum. Sam Darnold was hot. He put in the perfect pass. They utilized their time and uh, their time clock very well and, and got that touchdown and beat Penn State. I think that if uh, James Franklin had to do it over, he'd play for overtime. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. It was an interesting um, call there, but uh, you, know, you understand the aggression. Uh, you understand that, you know, people wanting to be aggressive in those kind of situations, but, um, just a, yeah, we've saw some really exciting football games this year. That was certainly one of the best over the weekend. Some of the NFL games were crazy and stuff finishing too. When football, football's great coach when you get amazing endings like that and scoring, scoring and back and forth. And you think this guy's going to win and that guy's going to win. Um, and that was definitely the case there. I mean, you, no one thought USC was going to win at the end of that game and they pulled it off. No, a lot of people ask me, they ask me when they see me, they say, Coach, what did you think when they were down by two to touch that? Did you leave? What did you think? You know, and everybody was saying the same thing. Did you leave the game? Did you think they were going to win? No, I, I, I thought they had a shot because they're so explosive and Sam Darnold is such a great quarterback. But, you know, it isn't done till it's done. I think that just proved that this past weekend, in the Green Bay Packer game, I mean, how can it get better than the Packer-Dallas game or the Steelers-Kansas City Chief game or the National Championship game? I mean, what great football games. I mean, it's not over till it's over, and I think that's great for college football and the NFL. Well, let's move on to some other questions, Coach. We have uh, Dave wrote in. He said, Coach, uh, on the podcast the other day, you mentioned that uh, that game at Pasadena City College when Don Roberts caught that late uh, miracle touchdown pass and how you were mauled by your team after you fell on the ground. Um, that was a really good story. People were commenting about that. That sure brought, excuse me, that sure brought back some memories for me because 
I was at that game and I vividly remember that wild play. I played with Don at Temple City where we won multiple CIF championships. Those were the good old days. Thanks for sharing the memories and for bringing your coaching views to the podcast. They don't make them like you anymore. Happy New Year from Dave. Dave, I wish Dave you'd have said your last name. I have Dog it. Dog kind of. It's uh, huh? Dave. Uh, P-E-T-T. Stockton? No, no, it's P-E-T-T-E-R-U-T-O. Okay. David. Trudeau uh, or something, yeah. Well, David, I'll tell you what, it was great days at Temple City High School. Bob Hitchcock was the head football coach. I think you guys had won 50 games in a row, something like that. It was unbelievable. Bob Brown, the big fullback that went to USC. Donnie Roberts, a great player. Uh, those are great days at Pasadena City College. I'll tell you, uh, we won a lot of games. We had a lot of fun. We sent a lot of guys at the four-year level. But, again, thank you for living, uh, listening, and thank you for checking in. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Dave. That was cool. Um... I'm glad coach was okay after getting mauled by his team and couldn't breathe for a while. If you, if you don't remember that, that was the story. Um, you know, let me, let me throw something funny. Sure. In those days when you coached, if you remember those days, the coach always used to wear a tie and a coat and uh, have uh, wing keep, kept shoes on and walk up. You should have seen me when I got up because it was a cold night and it had been raining a little bit. You should have seen my shirt and my jacket and my tie. <laughs> I look like somebody. <laughs> Was ready to throw my whole body into a washing machine. <laughs> well, we're glad you're okay, Coach, because we wouldn't be doing this podcast otherwise. But it's funny that someone was actually at that game. So glad, glad, Dave, you were listening and uh, brought you back down memory lane a little bit. Um, Tarek had a question, Coach. He said, "What's the best way to condition offensive linemen to go at a fast tempo while still maintaining their strength?" Well, I'll tell you the way I used to do it, and I still think it's the best way of doing it, uh, is I used to be an offensive line coach, and I was for years, and I thought that's where the game is won or lost, if you play in the pit or you play on the offensive line, and I think people still believe that now. We used to have what we call a seven-man sled, and they still have it. And I think I've told this story many times here on this podcast. We'd huddle, we'd huddle up. And uh, we'd go to the line of scrimmage, and bam, I'd say a snap count. Away we go. We'd drive, we'd drive, we'd drive, we'd drive. I'd blow the whistle like the play's over with, like the officials getting ready to set the ball. We'd huddle back up. Same group now. Go to the line of scrimmage, drive it, drive it, drive it. I'd blow the whistle, cut, come back in the huddle, huddle up. And we'd do this over and over and over, maybe for a drive. And when the guy started to get tired, like on the eighth or ninth time, I'd say to them, Hey, guys, this is now where you win championships because the defense has been in there as long as you've been on offense. So now this is where you got to really get stronger and better and drive harder and be tougher. So we'd go out, we'd go 8, 9, 10, whatever it is, get back and they'll do it again. And I'd say, now we're on the one-inch line. Who's going to win? And we'd drive off the football and and uh, and I'd blow the whistle and say, touchdown, because I'd, I wouldn't let him jump off sides. If we jumped off sides, uh, then that would be a, a penalty. So we do a regular snap count, and in most cases, I would have a quarterback down there doing the snap count. So it wasn't like just me saying go or hut, hut, hut. You know, I'd want a quarterback there where the quarterback's rhythm, they'd get used to doing it, and bam, we'd go, we'd go, we'd go, and they'd get used to that. And then we'd come out, and the next second line would go in there and do the same thing. And by that time, 
the third line, and then, of course, the first line then would have recovered, and we'd do it again and again and again uh, for that short period of time during a period. So I really felt that you had to drive this type of mental attitude into your offensive line for conditioning that, hey, it's not the first play, it's all plays, and then the ninth, tenth, and eleventh play, which is the most important play as far as being stronger, have more desire, more will to get in the end zone. So that's why I used to do it, and the guys believed in it, and uh, it worked. Coach, thanks for that one. Um, kind of along the same lines about conditioning, uh, Paul in Vegas is writing, and he said the trend in college football is having to defend up to 90 plays a game. It appears that offenses are dominating fourth quarters as defensives, defenses tire. Coach, what's the answer to combat this late-game fatigue? Conditioning may not be enough. And should teams recruit more heavily on frontline defensive players to have a better rotation, what would you do? Thanks, Paul in Vegas. Well, uh, you're exactly right. The offense uh, now has a definite advantage over the defense as far as, you know, they've taken the the big hits away, The you know, and that's because of injury factors and so on. You can't intimidate any longer on defense, and that used to be something that when you went across the middle of the field, you were afraid to catch football, but you knew what was waiting for you. And uh, as far as pass interference, you don't, I don't really know what pass interference is anymore. One time they call it, one time they don't. So you've got to be very careful as a defender not to have pass interference. So it's important, too, on the defense that you can't make mistakes and make big plays, and third down is just huge, and first down is a huge play, too. Because you've got to stop someone on first down in order to be in a position where you take advantage of at least you have an idea of what down-distance situation they're in. Second and long, you know how to play it. Third and long, you know how to play it. So you've got to be able to uh, rotate when you can. I would agree with this caller that you need, I would say, more defensive players, especially on the front, than you used to. I, I don't think it bothers linebackers and secondary guys, but I think the defensive guys on the front to make the effort, as you heard me talk a moment ago about how we condition the offensive side of the football, well, the defensive side of the football has got to be just as conditioned and give 100% the same way. But it's a little bit different on the defensive side, because you have to, after you do your job, you have to pursue and run across the field, not that you don't run downfield as an offensive player. But you got to play the whole field as a defensive player, and you get more running in than you do an offensive lineman. So I think that I would recruit more defensive players, more defensive down guys that are good, not backup guys. I'm talking about quality players that you don't drop off when you make a substitution or a rotation. You don't drop off your skill level because of the substitution. But I think that's the best way to do it. You got to fight good players against good players. You got to be able to maintain uh, conditioning that way. It's just harder on the defensive side of the football to stop 90 plays at 100% every down. But you can top 50 plays or 60 plays if you have the right rotation in there. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of that, and uh, you know, even the, I think in the championship game, coach, you see a, an Alabama front um, that was you know really dominant early on, just starting to wear down, and you know it just happens. You're I think right. we've seen that yeah. you know in the NFL games, um, you know where you know it looked like the Cowboys last night, which you know amazing game with the uh, Packers or yesterday, it looked like that offensive line just started to kind of take over. The Packers had a lead, the Cowboys came back, and they were just 
you know, beating them down, but then Aaron Rodgers does his magic. But you, you can kind of see that over time. Uh, you know, these big athletic offensive lines, if you run enough plays, it takes a toll on a defensive front. No, it does. It does. And, you know, a lot of the defensive players, especially the guards and tackles and those guards, you know, they're big guys. You know, they're, they're six foot, 350 and so on. Just imagine. They can't go hard every play as, as some guys can. They just, it's humanly impossible. So you've got to be able to have some rotation and you got to get uh, the offense off the field, let these guys recover. And on the offensive side of the football, you've got to maintain some ball control so these guys can recover. You notice they sit on the bench. They don't stand on the sideline watching the game. They watch the game on the big screens, but they need to recover. So uh, I agree. Uh, I'll tell you, it, at the end of the games, the game becomes a little bit more exciting to, as far as the way the offensive takes over, the offensive side of the ball takes over. Let's uh, let's go to Nick. Um, he said, hi, it's Nick from Cyprus. Big Nick, 21 USC on the P. He says, what as a coach can you do to try and stop the the horrible refereeing uh, as USC had in the Rose Bowl? Fight on, I love what you do. Well, you really can't do anything during the game except you can, you know, sort of be in their ear. You don't want to be in their ear too much, but you don't want to hurt your team and get a penalty. You could call up to the press box and have the athletic director come down. We saw Steve Sarkeesian. (laughs) Yeah, Uh Yeah, that just makes it worse. But, uh, no, you, you, you've gotta, you've gotta, you gotta go with it. Uh, as long as, you know, I'm not saying to justify it, but the other teams having the same official crew too. As long as they're, you know, they're not homers, and as long as they're officiating the way they officiate, there's nothing you can do. I think those crews are evaluated uh, for what they do later on, and you hope that doesn't happen again. Now, that was an ACC crew in the Rose Bowl, and I thought they let the game get away from them. I really do. A couple of the calls, the, the game really got away from them. And the game was delayed, and it was a long game, but there were so many reviews and so on, which, I don't get me wrong, I think, it should be a correct call, but I think they let the game get away from them just a little bit, and then everybody started to question their officiating. But like last night's call on Fisher, the tackle that uh, was it Harrison, I think he he tackled. You know, I, I'm listening and watching all these talk shows and t- TV shows, sports centers, and so on, talking about they should have allowed, they shouldn't have made that call. They should have allowed him to decide the game on the field. They're all agreeing. It was a hold, but they should have allowed him. Well, it was a hold. That's the end of it. It was a hold. (laughs) It's not allowing to finish a game. He not only held him, he tackled him. So who knows? He might have got to him or knocked the ball down. It was a hold. There's no discussion on that. I mean, when if he hadn't have called that, they'd have been on him all over for that. If it's a hold, it's a hold. And, yes, there are holding holds on every play, okay? But that was right there, and it was a tackle. It was a hold, and that's, there's nothing to discuss on that. It was a hold. He saw it. He called the play, and he did the right thing. All right, Coach. I like it. Um, very authoritative. <laughs> it was. The officiating was pretty piss poor, but what are you going to do? Um, not a lot you can do during the game, but there's a lot of complaints, and hopefully they can make some changes. Jim in Portland wrote in. He said, I have a question for Coach Hyde. Now that BKU, so he's talking about Kenichu Daisy, uh, has one year of coaching experience under his belt. How much should we expect 
uh, the defensive line to improve next year. Players learn and improve a lot between their freshman and sophomore seasons. Is it fair to assume that a capable new coach uh, will improve at a similar rate in his second year? Thanks, fight on. Jim up in Portland. No, I agree with you. Not only that, he's more familiar with his personnel. He knows what he has out there. He knew he knows who can play. Plus, the players know him, and they know what uh, he expects out of them. So his second year, he will be a better football coach, and his players should become better players because they know exactly what he uh, what he wants, and he'll be working with them during the off season and talking to him and showing them tape, and they'll be looking at tape to know exactly what they need to do. And I think now what he needs to do is become a great recruiter. I mean, uh, you know, you can be a great coach, but if you're not coaching great players, it doesn't make any difference. And you hear me and you, uh, we all discuss this all the time, you know, you gave me the right players and I don't need any assistant coaches. I'll coach the whole team. But, uh, yes, now I think the number one thing he has to do is recruit players. Because he knows what he's looking for and they gotta be great players. You gotta go out there and get this kid like this JC kid that uh, possibly wants to come to USC. you got to go out and get some guys that dominate on the line of scrimmage. Sure as the hell makes you a better football coach. So I think now one thing that he has to do and learn how to do is become a great recruiter. I'm not saying he isn't a great recruiter, but I now want to see what he can do knowing exactly he's had a full year to put together a recruiting class since he was hired. So I'm looking to see what defensive linemen come to USC during this signing period and how they utilized them in becoming a better football team but they knew last year they were down in numbers thank goodness stevie t came that was a a blessing and for two at the last minute from long beach city college i thought he did a great job but without those two what would they have done so right now he knows that stevie t's gone and he knows what he has now he's got to become a great recruiter to become a great coach to be a great coach, you've got to coach great players. When I coached Randall Cunningham, you know, he made me a pretty good coach. So did Dickie Woods. So did Terrell Davis. So you got to have players to become a great coach. So this is what I'm waiting to see now, how USC closes in this recruiting class, because USC should not be 14th and 15th in the country. Not that that is bad, but USC wants to play for it all, and you got to be in the top five every single year. Now let's see what happens. Yeah, Javon uh, Kinlaw, I think, is the J.C. defensive tackle you're coming talking about, um, Coach. There was a lot of uh, – so USC had 10 official visitors over the weekend. And if you're not – you don't know much about recruiting. Like, this is like the crunch time. Signing day is February 1st, the first, Feb- the first Wednesday in February, as always. And these last few weekends, uh, once the, the dead period ended – and they extended the dead period a little bit, so it's kind of crunched in even more. But you have official visitors come to campus where the school's allowed to pay, you know, for meals and transportation and, and lodging and all that stuff. Players can only get five official visits. So official visits are kind of a big deal. And USC had a bunch of guys on campus, 10 total official visitors. And a majority of them were defensive linemen. So certainly seems like that's the push, uh, right now, coach. And if you look at the, you know, if you look at like our scholarship distribution chart or the target list and stuff, where they need to kind of fill in the most holes, for me, definitely seems like uh, the defensive front. I agree with you 100%. They've got to have, I, you know, I think they have Apple receivers. If Stephen Carr comes, uh, I want to see more tape on him. I know he didn't play much in the uh, Army game, 
but you've got to have a big running back. You can see what big running backs do. Uh, I, I, I think that uh, they've got uh, this uh, uh, tight end that I think that would really assist them good that, they, that they're trying to get. But, you know, they got to get Lyman. Lyman's where it's at, and I think they got a couple get a couple inside linebackers, too. I, I really believe that, too, Ryan. Yeah, no, I think uh, all of the defensive front, uh, especially inside linebacker, and uh, some beefy guys in the middle um, on the on the front, uh, that's where USC needs some help. So we'll see how Clay Hilton's able to close out these last couple of days. And Kenichu Daisy has to be a big part of that, um, you know, being a new defensive line coach. Uh, we have John Abrea. He says, when was the last time that USC had zero turnovers, a zero turnover on their coaching staff? And can you please talk about how the continuity might help the younger players perform even better than some of the seniors did this year? It seems to me that the seniors on defense were so successful because they knew Clancy Pendergast's system. Thanks for all you do. Fight on, John and Brea. Well, John, I think it's very important. Uh, I used to really uh, hate coaching changes on my staffs. Uh, it was really important to maintain the continuity. You coach your coaches, and your coaches coach the kids, okay? And when you lose someone, then you have to start all over. That coach has got to pick up for the recruiting of the coach that left. You've got to make sure that you watch him and he was, he's a recruiter, that he's taking care of his coaching techniques because, you know, everybody comes in with a, a good recommendation and, but you know, unless you've worked with him, you know, you got to make sure he's the right guy teaching the right things and recruiting the right players. Uh, I know that we tell him who to recruit and he decides what type of player he wants to, but as, ultimately as a head football coach, I make the decisions on who we offer. No one offers uh, without the head coach approving it. So I think it helps as long as you've got a staff that's complete and a staff that uh, is doing what you want done, and they're all 100%ers. You can't have a weak staff member. A weak staff member, you're always recommending for a job somewhere. Hoping he gets a job somewhere, so you always promote him, and he goes on, and he's really happy with everything you did for him. Now, I don't know if that's the case at USC. I don't know Clay Elton. I don't know what he thinks of all his coaches. But right now, currently, it looks like all his staff members are in place. And I haven't heard any rumors about any of them going anywhere. The only one I heard was T. Martin was somewhat discussed for the Cal job. That's over with now since Justin uh, got it up there, and, and you know, which was a surprise to me. So that's over with. So I think... I think that the staff will be intact, and I think it's really important that it stays intact as far as you don't have to spend time looking for coaches. You don't have to spend time doing that type of stuff. Coaches know what they're supposed to do. You've got the thing organized, so now you just get better at what you're doing. Just get better at what you're doing. You know, coaches have got to get better at what they're doing, too, as well as players. So next year, this staff should have should improve as a coaching staff in all areas, recruiting, on the field, coaching, what they did right, what they did wrong, how they started this season, how they finished the season, how to make it a completely better season. So uh, right now I don't see any coaching changes. Yeah, I don't really see any either, and uh, Clay Helton didn't anticipate any. That's what he had said. So um, we'll see. There's still some coaching churn going on. Uh, you know, Anything can happen in the coaching game, but I don't anticipate any big changes coming. Um we got a couple more. We'll let you go. We got Marcel, Mar, I'm sorry, Marcel and Diamond Bar. Uh, I'm watching a national championship game and it seems that Alabama and Clemson, uh, defense play with more energy and more passion 
without committing the penalties, more so than our defense. He's talking about USC's. Additionally, both defenses also appear physically bigger. How does USC address this issue if it is an issue? Well, I think both defenses uh, were a little bit more physical. You know, when you look at USC, their linebackers uh, uh, inside Quincy Powell and, and Hutchings, they aren't big guys. Now, Cameron Smith's big, big guy, strong guy. But, the you know, when you look at the linebackers of the other teams, they really run well and they're pretty physical. When they hit you, they really hit you. And their whole defensive front is, is physical, can run well, and and so on. I think they're just more physical on the defensive side of the football. Remember, you have the number one and number two team in the country now. You know, this is what you should compare to, though. If you want to be there, you got to compare yourself to these teams. So they're the two best teams in the country. So that's what you look at and say, how far are we behind these teams? Because we want to be like these teams. So you build your team uh, to stand uh, with them. So you look, and right now, and you you don't have the physical part of the defensive fronts that Clemson and and Alabama have. They have depth, they have speed, they're physical, and they play at a real fast rate, and they fly around really well. They're coached well too. They're really coached well. They're aggressive. Both teams really attacked well on defense. They they do it all. So uh, you know, but I think that's a good comparison. Uh, when you call him Marcel, because I really believe if you're going to compare your defense with anybody, don't compare it with, uh, you know, somebody that's not winning. Compare it with the two best defenses in the country or the two best teams in the country and say, hey, this is what we got to be like. And I think that's what you got to do all the time on that climb to the top. We, uh, let's see, we got a question from Tarek. He said, is it wrong to have preseason expectations, or do you see that as just setting yourself up for disappointment? And I think that's because a lot of people are going to be picking or have already picked USC to be a you know top five program going into next season or a playoff contender for sure, Coach. Well, uh, let me tell you, I tweeted this out because I've been reading a lot of newspapers and uh, tweet. I tweeted out to, hey. First thing you better do is just take care of your own team and worry about your opening game at Western Michigan. Everybody's talking about next year they're going to be in the top five, they're going to be top three. Uh, they finished number three, which is tremendous. But that didn't, that didn't do one thing for next year. You got a lot of spots you got to rebuild. You got to mark on the back of your, your target team now. Your team that everybody's looking forward to playing. Ticket prices are going to go up when you go to their stadium. So you got to remember, you got to play better than you played this year to have the same type of success that you had this year. And you've got to fill a lot of holes. You know, a lot of people say, oh, they've got a lot of people coming back. Oh, they do. But they've got some positions they've got to fill that are very important positions, like their two offensive tackles and Stevie T at the nose guard and whatever. So uh, I would, you always talk to be good, and you know that you're good. But you don't have to talk about it all the time. The media talks about it all the time because they have nothing else to talk about. But as a football coach, you know, like I've, I've told you, as a football coach, you say, hey, how can you get better? You're not good enough. You haven't really reached your potential. And I'll tell you one thing I'm really interested on, Ryan, too, is to see what Adoy Jackson's going to do. I think yesterday, wasn't it the last day that you could declare for the NFL draft? I'm not sure. 
but uh, on the date. But I'm telling you, he's in class. He's in school. He's going to class. I'm not. Quite, I'm really waiting to see what happens on that too. Uh, maybe you know something. But uh, yeah, you got to work on each quarter because you can. It's a playoff. People say we want 18. We want to play. Hey, it's a playoff. Your first game is a playoff game. Your second game is a playoff game. You don't t- think Texas is going to be tough to beat with Tom Herman? They've always had great players. Nobody is going to be easy to beat. They talk about all oh, the schedule this way. This year is much easier. You don't have Washington. You don't have Oregon. Hey, your schedule is always tough. So you got to play one game at a time, one game at a time, and talk, stop this talking about national championships. Sure, you want to win a national championship, but you got a lot to do before that happens. So I'd, I'd say right now the number one thing to worry about is recruiting, getting bigger, stronger, faster, staying eligible, get your guys back if you can that are uh, not eligible. Maybe if you can get Noah Jefferson back, get him back. You know, Get ready to play again because, hey, you start talking about how good you are and all of a sudden you find out how good you aren't because uh, you can't live on last season. you got to get ready for this season. Yeah, uh, Noah Jefferson did transfer out, so he's no longer around. But yeah, it'd be great to, it would have been nice to have him around. So that's another hole you kind of have to fill. And then Adoree Jackson, um, so today is actually the day. Uh, I thought it was the 15th for some reason, but it's actually the 16th. So he's supposed to declare by today. And Earl in West LA wrote in about this. This will be our last topic. He just read, he said, I just read that Adoree Jackson has been attending classes the first week of spring semester. Hardly seems a thing to do if you're planning to enter the NFL draft this spring. Also, the final day to declare is Monday, January. Uh, he said January 17th, but it's actually January 16th. Uh, so we know the answer soon. I thought he was attending class. I thought that he was attending class was a noteworthy signal of his intentions, don't you think? And uh, yeah, Earl, I thought that was, I'll give you my thoughts and then get yours to coach too. I definitely thought it was. We were hearing more specific agent information about Damian Mama and Juju Smith-Schuster than we were about Adore Jackson. And, uh, and then the, you know, then he was attending class. So I was really thinking that it was a possibility. Now I posted on the Peristyle this morning. You can check it out. Um, I'm not expecting him to stay at this point. I just to talked to a couple of sources, even though all the, the signs were kind of pointing that way. I'm not exactly sure why he would wait until the final day. He's the highest ranked player left. That's, you know, hasn't declared yet. So I thought that was kind of interesting, but according to my sources and we put, I put more details up on the peristyle on uscfootball.com. Um, I don't think he's coming back, but get your, get your thoughts on it, coach. Well, uh, I don't think he's coming back. I think he wants to come back. Okay. But I think he's getting pressure to leave. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to say where or what, but I think he's getting pressure to leave. I think he wants to come back. He really does not want to leave. Uh, personally, I think possibly it's the best for him to leave. I don't think he can do any better than what he did as far as All-American and the Jim Thorpe Award and all this and that. He don't want, doesn't want to get exposed. I, I don't think his rankings were as high as what he first thought they might be. But um, I think that's what's happening there. And uh, I want to wish him the best no matter what he does. Uh, I think Schuster sh- should have gone out. He's had a lot of injuries and so on, and I think he deserves that opportunity of going on, and that doesn't bother me as far as replacements for him. He had a great year, but they're great receivers coming back. I just wish they would have 
redshirted both of J.C. Uh, big receivers, but they don't have the big receivers with Darius Rogers going. I don't see any reason why they played the two J.C. transfer kids, Hampton and the other one, because they're both 6'3", six, 6'4", six, great receivers. They could have really contributed this year. You know, why waste a whole year on a kid that plays 15 plays or 6 plays or whatever? I think it's ridiculous. But you could add those two big receivers back to replace Darius Rogers and also Juju. But uh, there are other players that uh, that are out there. Uh, Damian Mama, uh, I want to wish him the best, but I really believe he should have stayed. That's just my opinion. And uh, I think that uh, he was more or less the influence to leave. Uh, I think he should have stayed. I don't know if he wanted to stay or not. But he's got a ways to go. I think he improved a lot this year. But in one more year would have really made him a pretty good player, I believe. Uh, so uh, uh, on that note, uh, uh, that's my feeling on these guys. Well, Coach, great stuff. Um, lots of good topics. And uh, thanks for jumping on the show on a holiday. Uh, but we really appreciate your insight. And I uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Ryan, I appreciate it, too. And for all of you out there, have a great, safe uh, weekend and day off, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, that's Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, publisher of uscfootball.com. This, of course, is the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed our show. Enjoy the holiday. Uh, hope you have fun on your day off, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.